Today's reading is from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I have the joy of talking to you this morning about how our priorities in this life will decide the life ahead. So let's ask for God's help as we do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we so often avoid thinking about heaven and hell and judgment. So please help us to hear your words, to heed the warning. And take the right action. So we will honour you in this life. And always be ready to enter your kingdom when you come again. Amen. I have three sections this morning. Heaven and hell matters. Where we will see the importance of what Jesus said. Matters of heaven and hell. Where we will hear the consequence of what Jesus actually said. And finally... Do you trust Jesus 
with your eternity. How do you feel about this teaching? So firstly, heaven and hell matters. Why do we find it difficult to talk about heaven, hell, and judgment? Is it because we fear death? Or is it more that we fear what others might think if we tell them what Jesus said? Why did I find this talk so difficult to prepare? What is the problem with what Jesus says about heaven, hell, and judgment? Earlier in that day, Jesus had to correct the Sadducees who didn't believe in life after death. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? In Matthew 22, verse 29, he tells them, You are wrong because you don't know the Bible or God's power. And that's the same today. People don't know the Bible or God's power. Like the Sadducees, people don't know about eternal things. We don't want to think about death and where that leads, so we avoid talking about it or we make fun of it. We act as if this world is all there is and we make jokes about Peter at the pearly gates. But if we ever do look into these things, as at times we can't avoid doing, we tend to do it on our own terms. A few weeks ago, The Guardian published an interview with David Walliams, the children's author and TV personality, about the books that he'd read. And the book that he said that he couldn't finish was the Bible. This is what he says. I bought one with the intention of finally reading it cover to cover. And while I was reading Genesis, I found myself flicking all the way to Revelation to see if there was a happy ending. Sadly, there isn't. I suppose it's not surprising that he comes to that conclusion. But it is desperately sad. He only flicked through the Bible rather than eagerly reading it to find out why God put us on this planet. And sadly, he missed the point. And what's worse, he missed the invitation in Revelation to the greatest feast of all time, to which we are all invited. No, he writes his own children's stories and he decides his own endings. But we can all do so much better than that. We need to do better than that with the precious gift of the Bible, which has Jesus' words that can transform our lives. Well, the passage that we're looking at is at the end of Jesus' answer to his disciples. They don't want fairy tales. They are ready to know more. They want to hear the hard truth about life after death. Remember, our key verse that we've been looking at over the last few weeks is Matthew 24 and verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples' question has three parts to it. And Jesus answers all the parts before he tells them about the sheep and the goats. So let's remind ourselves of what we've heard over the last few weeks. I think you could summarize it with these words. Jesus is coming back at the end of the age. Get yourselves ready. 
the answer to their question is to make sure you are ready for Jesus when he returns. The first part of the question, when will this happen? The answer, well, nobody knows. Not even Jesus knew at the time. So we must keep watch. We must be ready at all times. Just like a burglar doesn't announce when he's about to break into your house and steal things. Jesus says, so you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is coming back at the end of this age. Get yourselves ready. The second part of the question, what will be the sign of your coming? Well, it'll come after much distress. And when Jesus arrives, it won't be hidden. Everyone will know what's happening. But by then, it will be too late to change your eternal destiny. All the nations will mourn when they realize they've made a terrible mistake. Jesus will gather all his chosen people from the four corners of heaven and earth. And many people will realize too late that they've been left out. Jesus says, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Jesus is coming back at the end of this age. Get yourselves ready. And the third part of the question, what will be the sign of the end of this age? The answer is it'll come after a time of much distress. There'll be wars, earthquakes, persecution, and the followers of Jesus being put to death. False sightings of Jesus and false teachings and false prophets. Natural disasters, man-made disasters, worldwide disasters, and wars and rumors of wars. And during that time, the gospel will go out to all the nations of the world. And in the middle of it all, you need to watch out that you're not deceived Jesus says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. So Jesus answers all parts of the disciples' question using everyday scenes of normal life, some terrible scenes of worldwide turmoil and persecution but followed by two simple parables that we looked at over the last couple of weeks the five foolish and the five wise virgins with their oil lamps and the two faithful servants who invest in the master's business and the one lazy servant who buries the gift that he was given what becomes of the foolish virgins who failed to buy oil for their lamps well they're too late they hear these words from the bridegroom truly I tell you I don't know you what becomes of the wicked servant who buried the gift he could have invested in his master's business he hears these words throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth Jesus is coming back at the end of this age. 
get yourselves ready. Or in other words, Jesus tells us that heaven and hell matters. Heaven is the great reward for those who are faithful servants who've wisely been working on their master's business, who are eagerly waiting for his return. He knows them and they know him and he welcomes them into their heavenly reward. Hell is that place of lament, mourning and eternal regret for the foolish ones who postpone making peace with the master, who turn down the free offer of salvation, who think they can ignore Jesus' warnings. So we can see that heaven and hell are important matters. So let's turn to our passage and hear the consequence of these things as we read from verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a sheep separates the sheep as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. This really doesn't need explaining. Jesus will judge everyone at the end of the world to decide if they are fit for heaven or hell. Anyone can make sense of what Jesus says. You don't need to know about the shepherding of sheep or goats in Bible times. We can understand what's going on here. Jesus is talking about how he will judge people. You, me, and everyone else in the world's history. At the end of this world, Jesus will return with all the angels in heaven. He will sit on the judgment throne to give the verdict on everyone gathered before him. And each individual, you, me, and everyone else, will be separated into two groups. On his right, the sheep. On his left, the goats. No need for a trial. No barrister. No argument. No excuses. Jesus knows everyone's track record absolutely perfectly and he assigns each person either to his right or to his left. Well, I could almost end there because I think that's the main point. But I have got a few more things to say so that we understand this more fully. We're near the end of Jesus' life on this earth. And it's at this point that he opens up to his disciples about what their future will be. Jesus is about to be betrayed. He will go through a mock trial, the horror of death by crucifixion, and separation from God the Father as darkness covers the earth for three hours in the middle of the day as God's wrath comes upon him. He dies. But he rises from the tomb. He conquers death and appears to many people before he finally ascends to heaven. And just before all that happens, before events take over and the disciples are confused about all that's going on, he answers the disciples' questions about what happens at the end of the age. It's not a secret, but he is just speaking to the 12 disciples now. 
They want to know what happens after death. And so should we, whether we follow Jesus or not. It's not as though everybody else has been kept in the dark. He has already warned the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the crowd listening into the conversation. He's warned them of the dangers of living just for the things of this world and ignoring their eternal destiny and ending up in hell. But here he wants the disciples to know what his role will be at the end. But let's be clear, he's not talking about how you enter into God's kingdom. We've had 24 chapters of Matthew's good news. News that tells us how you get to join God's family, how you become a follower of Jesus, the steps of new birth, how you enter into the kingdom through repentance, through believing in Jesus, by being baptized in water, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The 12 disciples have been living with Jesus for the last three years, traveling around with the good news of Jesus the Messiah, making converts, explaining how life works in God's kingdom and demonstrating the power of God to change lives forever. But now, before he goes to the cross, he needs to warn his disciples and he tells them what's going to happen in the end. Well, it seems that 11 of them take note. But one, Judas Iscariot, ignores the warning. Let's be like the 11 and not like Judas Iscariot. Let's keep following Jesus to the end of our days. Can you picture yourself standing before Jesus among the sheep or the goats? And first Jesus tells the sheep where they are going and why. You who are blessed by my Father are going to inherit the kingdom that we've been preparing for you since the beginning when we created the world. Is this you? Are you one of those who is blessed by God the Father? Because if so, it seems that you don't quite understand how Jesus describes you. How did you spend your days giving Jesus food and drink, inviting him as a stranger into your home, providing him with clothes, with nursing care, and visiting him in prison? So Jesus tells you it's because you cared for God's sheep. And he views one act of kindness towards God's people as if you were looking out for him. And as you look around you at the other sheep, you notice that some of their faces seem to shine brighter than others. They seem to reflect Jesus' glory more strongly than you. And somehow you know that these were the destitute, persecuted Christians who really suffered for Jesus in this world. Some of them were in prison. Some were tortured for their faith and some were killed. And you realize that Jesus went through all of their suffering and horror and sense of injustice with them. It was personal. They were part of his family. They were living in him and he felt all that they went through. And somehow the money that you gave to Barnabas Trust to support the persecuted church and your faltering prayers for those 
Christians around the world who live in countries where their faith is not allowed. Your prayers seem so insignificant to you now that you see just how much Jesus loves them. But you also see his love for you too. And your eyes are open now to see things from Jesus' viewpoint. That those children who messed around in your Sunday school while you were trying to explain to them the significance of Jesus dying for their sins. And they just wouldn't listen. They were just a nuisance. But in their late teens, they saw the light and joined the family of the church. You see how personally Jesus takes everything you ever did for his people since the day that he washed your sins away and brought you into his heavenly family. And now as you stand before the judge of all mankind, the only one who's ever lived a perfect life and is fully able to judge everyone fairly, you know that nothing ever got past him. No injustice was ever unseen. He rules in perfect justice. And he delights in all those little things that you did in your life that brought honor to his name and showed his love to the family that he has built to be with him in heaven for all eternity. You now see how your faltering, feeble faith was important to Jesus. He knows all about you because he knows you by name and he welcomes you into heaven. And then Jesus turns his attention to the goats and he tells them where they're going and why. Now, if you're a goat, one who is cursed and departing from Jesus to the other place, the place of punishment and eternal fire, which was meant for the devil and all the rebellious angels, you know that you never got around to accepting Jesus and his offer of salvation. You've messed up and face eternal punishment because you did not ask Jesus to rescue you when he called upon you. Hell was never meant for people like you. It's a place of punishment for the devil and his own kind. And it's a tragedy that you're on your way there. But also, like the sheep, you don't quite understand the description that Jesus gives you. How could it be that you didn't spend your days giving Jesus food, drink, an invitation to come to your home, clothing him, nursing him, visiting him in prison, you never knew him or concerned yourself with the things of God. There were more pressing things to do than sort out your guilty conscience and receive that free gift to be made right with God. You never did make peace with God. So Jesus explains that failing to take any interest in the needs of God's sheep was a result of ignoring him too. It's true, you're only too aware You are careless about the things of God. And now and forever you are paying the price. And that's that. The goats head off to eternal punishment. And the sheep inherit eternal life in God's kingdom. The heavenly banquet begins. And that's the end of the story. Well, this week we've been looking at a life in Wales based on the story of Mary Jones who who walked 26 miles across Wales to buy a Bible. She so wanted to read the Bible for herself. And we've had the theme of Wales and I thought 
I just wish that I could be like one of those Welsh preachers from the 1750s. Here was one called Jenkin Jones who preached. And you've got to imagine that he's standing in one of those Welsh chapels where the pulpit is really up high and he's looking down on the congregation. I can't do it in a Welsh accent. You just have to accept it. Picturing the separation of believers and unbelievers at the second coming of the Lord, he describes the reaction of unbelievers when they see the elect taken up into the air to be with Christ. Oh, take us up with you. What are you doing leaving us behind? At this point, the preacher hears their cry of anguish and replies, What can I do now for you? I must tell you that I told you these things before, but you didn't consider them. I called you to repentance and preached Christ to you and showed you the way of salvation, but you did not accept him. Oh, what can I do with you now? Now it is too late. What can I do? You know how I endangered my life because of you to preach to you. But now the treasury of the gospel is sealed up and the day of grace has passed. And that's the end of the story. But we don't want it to be the end. We have all those questions left unanswered. Most of them questions raised by our sceptical humanistic minds which say, is this fair? Questions like, what about those who've never heard of Jesus? How could a God of justice send them to hell? How can a God of love send anyone to hell anyway? Surely to suffer in hell for all eternity is too great a punishment for messing up in this short life. If God is as powerful as he says he is, then surely he can bring some way to save everyone from the horrors of hell and bring everyone into his heavenly kingdom. Do you know the answer to those questions and ones like them? Could you answer your sceptical friend's questions? Well, our final section is, do you trust Jesus with your eternity? When answering skeptics, it's always good to remember that they have a limited, incomplete knowledge of God. Of course, we all do. But living in a humanist culture, our friends will likely be further away from the right knowledge about God than those of us who know him and trust him. The flaw with all those arguments against hell is that they're based on one attribute of God at the expense of all the others. We know that God is a complete personality. He is just and merciful. He is holy and compassionate. He is both kind and severe. His attributes blend together and qualify each other. Having created us as creatures of choice, he won't force us to love him and serve him. That would defeat the whole purpose of him having a loving family in eternity. When all is said and done, people are free to resist his spirit and reject his salvation forever. The most persuasive argument for those who criticize what we say about heaven and hell 
is that Jesus himself taught us all that we know. He tells us about his Father. Who has a better grasp of God's love, justice and power than Jesus? And he taught his disciples to be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew ten twenty eight. Well, people have struggled with what Jesus said about hell for centuries. And they've often found it too difficult to accept. So what do they do? They either embellish it or they've done the opposite and in some way explained it away. They embellish it by having graphic pictures of devils in hellfire, as you can still find in medieval paintings, which was how ordinary people learned about God before they could read the Bible for themselves. But I don't think that's helpful. You need to look at what Jesus said and take it on face value. Or they have somehow watered it down. And you hear people saying that, well, hell is just like sleep. Or it only lasts for a short time before God puts you out of your misery by ending your existence. So what do we do? How do we approach teaching which makes us uncomfortable? Well, we don't add to it and we don't subtract from it. We accept it at face value, unless there's clear teaching from the rest of God's word that helps us see it in a different light. You could do a Bible study on heaven and hell. We haven't got time to do that now. But it would make you more comfortable with what Jesus says here. Jesus warns about hell and speaks about heaven more than anyone else in all the Bible. He tells the disciples the details because they were ready to accept his word. But it's not all there is to say. The disciples weren't ready for all that he could have told them. And it would be near the end of the Apostle John's life that he's told more about the end of things. Jesus sent an angel to reveal to John what will happen in the end. He's told to write most of it down for our benefit. So if you want to know more, you could do a Bible study on the book of Revelation. You'll need help doing that, a good study guide or a commentary. Well, I trust that you have decided to follow Jesus, knowing that it means giving up your old way of life and taking on new priorities, that you've found him to be the one who can transform your life and you know that you can trust him with your eternity. So how do we apply what Jesus tells us about the sheep and the goats? Well, there's a warning. If you arrive in this place and you're not ready, it's too late. And you will regret turning down Jesus for all eternity. So be wise. Be those with plenty of oil in your lamps, full of the joy of the Lord, ready to enter the bridal party when Jesus comes at the end of the age. Be faithful, investing your life and energy in the king's business. So glad that he saved you that you can't but help talk to others about what he's done for you. How he has forgiven your sins and how you are at peace with God. So be ready 
Jesus is coming back at the end of the age. Are you ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, one day we will stand before you as our judge, either on the right because we accepted your gift to make us right, or on the left because we ignored your warning and foolishly remained in the wrong. Lord, may it be that no one listening today would ignore you. Please, Lord Jesus, open our eyes. You tell us that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So may these words sink deep into our hearts. So we get ourselves ready and working in your kingdom before that day arrives. Amen. Before I go, uh, there's three books that I found really helpful about these things. And you do need some help in looking at them. The first is, How Could a Loving God Send Anyone to Hell? And it goes through all the arguments, that some of which I've, co- I've mentioned but haven't really covered. That's by Benjamin M. Skaug. The second is from David Pawson, who was a member here for many years, and The Road to Hell. And it's full of Bible studies on heaven and hell. And if you don't need to know about hell, and you are quite confident in your faith, uh, and you just want to be encouraged about heaven, then there's this book, which is The Dawn of Heaven Breaks, Anticipating Eternity, by Sharon James. And that's full of Bible verses and quotes from people about how we can look forward to eternity with Jesus. If you want to know more about that, then either email me or there's a sheet outside that you can pick up with the details of those books. Thank you.